Welcome to Doctrine and Devotion, a podcast that explores Christian faith and practice from a Reformed Baptist perspective. My name is Joe Thorne. I'm the lead pastor of Redeemer Fellowship in St. Charles, Illinois. And I'm Jimmy Felder, other candidate at Redeemer Fellowship. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, 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 hey. Man, what you doing? <laughs> huh? I'm just relaxing. You I'm just chilling. I'm this chilling. is nice. This is really nice. I haven't been here in a while. It's been a long time. A couple years? No, I've been here. <laughs> oh, okay. I haven't been here you for a couple years. Joe comes here. No, uh, no, every Friday. No, I don't. Monday morning. No, and Sunday it's before uh, worship. I would, but it's a little too far. We are at Iwin Reese. It's probably not the right way to say it. I, I believe Iwin Reese is the oldest tobacconist uh, in Illinois. Is it? Maybe it's the. Does that is, sound is right? It the oldest is Iwin Reese the oldest tobacconist in the U.S. It's the old. Wow. Oh, U.S. of A. Thank you, sir. Continually you operational tobacconist. In USA, and this place is amazing. Um, but we are not just at Owen Reese, we are in the members' lounge, which mm. has like this copper pressed ceiling, yep, chandelier. Really nice. It's it's beautiful here. The and color's so, nice, everything's great, man. Good I ventilation. Love oh, I can breathe. Yeah, it's nice. It's and not like it's not like other places we go to we or mention, frequent like you know, La Vida. No, in no, St. Charles. Not like La Vida. Um so we're hanging out here, we're chilling, and we're talking to Dr. Eric Mason. Boom. Glad to be here, man. This is fun, Joe man. and Jimmy. No, yeah. No. Well, no, no. Jimmy and Joe. No, it's oh, Joe. He got it right. Thank you. Thank you. Jimmy, Jimmy and Joe. Joe. He doesn't even know I'm going to just say JJ. JJ. <laughs> or actually, people call us the Jofo. They do. Wow. And you'll even notice there, Joe's first. Darn it. Anyway. <laughs> um, Hilarious. Now, a lot of you guys already know who um, Dr. Mason is. People call him uh, Pastor E. Yep. Um, Eric is... Uh, now, I, I met you through Acts 29 um, a long time ago. Yeah. Um, but I've, I've benefited from your preaching mm. online, and I don't listen to a lot of preaching online. So, I mean, you remember him. Yeah. Do you actually remember Joe? Come on now. Absolutely. Oh, oh, absolutely. No. Hey, what, what happened? Now, you're just being I kind of am a secret stalker. Oh, don't do this. Instagram. Don't do this. And I, I kind of, I, I just want to know what it is. No, because he always going to put a smoke up there. So just I just got... want to see. I said, <laughs> what is he smoking now? Hey, Eric, man? Is he, Eric. Has he gone to the, the ganja route yet? Oh. You know what I'm just saying? No, no, no. Well, you know. <laughs> I thought I saw a Philly's blunt one time. So. <laughs> it's, not, it's not legal yet. So uh, people ask all the time, what are you going to do? In pod? Like, listen, man, I've done the pod thing. I'm, I'm, I'm done with the pod thing. Even if it's for now. Yeah, yeah. You've done for now. I'm done too. That's a good conversation to have sometime too. We've already talked about it. Yeah, we've talked about it. I'd love what the churches, what are, what are Orthodox healthy church is going to do when it is legal. Yeah. Um, you know, because you're going to have to address that. You're going to have to address it wisely, winsomely, biblically. Yeah. And I don't think it's as easy as a lot of evangelicals want to make it out to be personally. Um, but, uh, but just just kind of put a pin on this. Um, mm. Eric, so like, I don't know, like two weeks ago. Uh, are you going to really no, talk I'm about just, yourself? Know, you, you, you are talking asked, about not, yourself. Not talk, I'm talking about Eric. Here it goes. So Watch Eric, the big head. Ago, one of us reached out to the other and said we should connect. I can't remember. Did oh. I reach out to you or did you reach <laughs> you out to me? I can't remember. Oh. No, I, I, thank you, good I sir. think I reached out to him. Yeah, I that's think how I it was. That's how I think don't I did. don't save him by there lying. I, no, I did. I did. I was. <laughs> no, on, I don't know what happened. I was on his page or something. It was an article that I posted. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah that article. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I was like, yeah. it was a good article. It was a good article. All right. So because I like the balance in it. It didn't. Yeah. It, mm. it was very balanced. I've read a lot of stuff on Christian liberties, and sometimes I find a person that is about that, that's not about a liberty. They're a little too hard. Yeah. Oh, and, and usually unbiblical. Um, mm. But then, if they then then there's some against the liberty that give room for others. Yeah, yeah. Right. But then people that are for that particular liberty, and we emphasize on liberty and not sin, but a liberty that's actually a liberty, um, and not not justifying some of the challenges that could come with yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But also talking about the the grace of the freedom of the gospel to be able to indulge in that particular thing. So who wrote that? Who wrote that article? Because I don't think it was Joe. 
Oh, I, as a matter of fact, I think it was no, me. No, no, it had to be someone that was qualified <laughs> and no, skilled. I definitely think that was someone me. that does more than just pamphlets. All right, nobody wants to hear this. Okay? All right, booklets. Nobody, nobody wants to. Um, so, in case you're not familiar uh, with Dr. Mason, uh, he is uh, the founder and pastor of Epiphany Fellowship. And uh, man, you guys are planting churches and yeah, about 22. Uh, 22, yeah. 22 churches. Got to be honest, goodness. not enough Acts 29 churches are planting churches. No, we're yeah. seeing more. We know of that. that's true. Yeah. That's wow. exciting. So, and we're the church planting network. So it's exciting when I meet churches that are actually yeah. modeling that for the rest yep. of us because we need good models to follow. We need yep. good examples. And a lot Absolutely. of us are young churches. So uh, praise God for what you're doing there. Um, you're also the founder of Thriving, right? Which is an yep. urban resource organization for uh, church leadership in yeah. urban centers, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or just context, any type of urban context. Any kind of. So mm. what, uh, and how long has, has Thriving been going? Thriving started in about 2010, 11-ish. Okay. So yeah. That's great. It started then, it. yeah. I love it. And um, and you've written, I don't know, a bunch of books. What is well, it? Well, like real books, not like Joe. Oh, it's real written, books. My books are real. <laughs> Your books are not real. They're real you small. Put, <laughs> 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 Dr. Mason uh, has written Manhood Restored, mm-hmm, as well book. as Beat God to the Punch and Unleashed. Yep. Now, yep. It's Unleashed yep. like that like Word of Faith kind of stuff? Is that, it that is, unleashed man. Stuff? <laughs> you get, come get your blessing, Doc. Snatch it down, brother. Snatch it down. EBB, y'all shot <laughs> All of our Reformed Baptist guys are like, they're just puckered. Like, whoa, what just happened? Jimmy's going to interpret. So. <laughs> Eric's playing with all you guys. Relax. Um, all right, so Eric is a solid brother. He's a great theologian. Um, sharp dude, blessing to X29 and all churches who are willing to listen. Um, so we are, we, we're excited to have him on the podcast. And really what we're going to do is we're going to spend um, the week yeah. talking uh, talking to Eric. And we want to talk about the ordinances in particular, yep. if you're Baptist, if you're uh, if you're not, the sacraments. Uh, we want to talk about these two things yep. that, uh, that Jesus has given the church, what they are, why they're important, and how it should impact our piety, right? Absolutely. I mean, we've talked about these things before, Joe, but... Not with someone that actually knows what they're talking about. And so well, I feel like we, we know what we're talking about. You know, I mean, I felt like I had to go and research, uh, you know, reading other articles and well, books written to, by, right. by Lassen yeah. and Tanner. Oh, please, um, stop it. And getting, getting their oh, feedback. Stop it. <laughs> now, you things. are, now, look, see, Jimmy, Jimmy feels a little nervous because he, he just got his bachelor's degree like a year ago. And Two he's years like, ago. He's like you know, 35 or something. Look at this. I am, and I am Dr. 35. Mason, of course. Right. We've got somebody highly educated. Um, so before we even get into baptism, that's the first thing we want to talk about. All right, we're going to talk about that. Maybe you could explain to people why there are only two ordinances and not three because there are churches out there that really foot like washing. the idea of the yeah. foot washing yeah. so why isn't foot washing considered an ordinance in, in most orthodox um protestant churches well first off thanks for having me on and thanks for all you guys are doing to put some good info out here particularly for this generation to have conversations that i hope will center around thinking critically about doctrine living doctrine and um sharing the gospel with people um, when I think about um, the idea of baptism, when I think of baptism, not as an idea, but as, uh, whether you call it Holy Eucharist um, or you call it an ordinance or you call yeah, it yeah. whatever you call it. Right. Um, I think it's important that when we look at baptism, that we understand um, that baptism predates the New Testament functionally, yeah. at least in its inferential format, mm-hmm. even in how Paul and Peter sort of communicates and talks about baptism all the way from the Exodus, all the way through the Old Testament, Tanakh, uh, or Torah, Kethovim, and uh, Navihim. Mm. 
all the way through. That's for my Jewish friends or Messianic friends. Mm -hmm. But then come over to the New Testament and we see that baptism was was really a cultural form of proselytizing, uh, affirming someone as a proselyte. Yeah, so, yeah. So when you when so, like even um, Jesus affirmed that baptism exists wasn't unique to what he did in the sense right. of, but however he adopted that particular form as yeah. a nice way to be an open profession of an internal reality. Of course, you had John doing that, and and the reason why you knew it was such a strong cultural form is because not only were people coming out to meet him at the Jordan, but also one of the things that you see is um, the Pharisees coming out because baptism wasn't being centralized through them. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. John's okay. baptism. So you knew there was something about baptism that made it important, and they were even seeking it, which was interesting that the Pharisees and the Sad I don't know if the Sadducees were there, but I know the scribes were there, mm -hmm. the Pharisees were there, um, and they were seeking baptism. And what did, Paul, what did Peter, I mean, I'm naming everybody. Mm -hmm. What did John say? He said, you brood of vipers who is... Mm -hmm. Uh, told you about the wrath that is to come, but bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Yeah. That's a key statement in baptism. Yeah. Um, because there's something happening prior to baptism in John's mind that baptism is an affirmation of. Now, his baptism was all, they call it the baptism of John. Yeah, yeah. Meaning it was a pointing baptism based on Malachi, right? In joining the hearts and the fathers again back together in order to point them to Jesus, right? right? Yeah. So that was that was John's baptismal role. That was his role. Now, fast forward to the book of Acts. Well, even before the book of Acts, when you look at uh, the Great Commission, which is really a restatement of the original two commissions. Yeah. The first commission is in Genesis. The second commission, well, two of them are in Genesis because you, you see it stated um, during the Adamic period, and then you see it post that in the Noahic period. Um, go, and then fast forward because that was to have people all over the earth. Well, from pre the fall, having people all over the earth, the goal of it was to have God, Jesus, well, God reflectors because yeah. there was no fallen people. Once the fall happened, it was going to be populated, but we needed to still have an edict that helped God's truth to go out through those people that will fill the earth. Yeah. And that's why the wiping out through a wrathful baptism Noah's baptism, which is mm -hmm, the mm -hmm. is what, what he got saved for, for one is it's pointing to the wrath of God. Yeah. For those who are in the ark, um, the, the, the baptism is a place of safety for the person that has faith in Yahweh. Right. Yeah. So when we come on down to the New Testament and we begin to see all of these idiosyncrasies of baptism beginning to come and then we fast forward to the Great Commission, Jesus Christ says, now, since I'm over all of this, I made water, right? So <laughs> I, even though there were there are different types of cultural baptisms and cults, yeah, right? Yeah. And even in Judaism, in different sects of Judaism, whether you're talking about the Qumran community, like F.F. Bruce would talk about, which he, he does a great job of giving us some treaties on the Qumran community who we believe John the Baptist came out of. Yeah, right? yeah. So once you, once you sort of um, um, go, go through that and then you say, no, Jesus said, now I'm taking it and I'm using it as one of the signs of the covenant. Every covenant mm -hmm. in the Bible had signs. Yeah. Now, yeah. whether you're dispensationalist or covenant, new covenant, classical dispensational, re re revised dispensational, progressive dispensational, the, there is a constant agreement among both camps or all camps, if you will, that they're covenant signs. So it, it, every, it, like, you know, you had the rainbow, you had, you know, circumcision, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, um, you have Sabbath, right? Those those are signs of specific covenants, right? But then when you come over to the New Testament, we have uh, several signs 
of the covenant that point to the same thing, which those all pointed to in the first place. They pointed mm -hmm. to Jesus, right? Correct. Ultimately, as the fulfillment of all of those signs. He's in some way, shape, or form fulfills those signs. Whether it's with Sabbath, he gives eternal rest, right? Mm -hmm. um, whether, you know, whether it's with the rainbow, we're covered under Jesus Christ by not experiencing that type of wrathful judgment ever again. Yeah, so we yeah. see pictures of Jesus through all of the past covenant signs. So then when you come up to the New Testament, Jesus says, I'm copping this and I'm taking this and I'm going to use this as a major way to make a public statement. So in their day, you got to understand they didn't have baptismals in synagogues. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> um, because to be honest, baptism was very public. I mean, it would have happened while people are washing their clothes on the beach. Right. Um, um, getting water to boil, to drink. So so as you see people coming out there to get baptized, that would have been a very, very natural way of garnering attention Correct. to something happening. Yeah. Right. And so um, so when I think of baptism being just one of the central forms of the new covenant of to communicate that you're part of the new covenant. Mm -hmm. um, and then we go into not just physical baptism, but the baptism that should have happened prior to physical baptism, which, of course, we would say that's that's our Romans. That's our Romans five. That's our Titus three, five through sevens. Which is, which is talking about being renewed by the Spirit through That's regeneration. Right. That's right. The washing of the renewal by the Spirit, right? Yeah. Ephesians 5, Jesus is washing us with the water of the Word. Jesus telling them in John 15, 5, you are clean already because of the Word that I spoke to you. Not yeah. by John's baptism, but by right. believing what I told you. Mm. So, so when we look at baptism, the physical baptism is only a reflection of what's already happened inside of the person. Um, and that's whether you believe in the auto salutis or not. Um, mm. You know, it, it, in other words, to be saved, you have had to have the Holy Spirit act upon you without your help. He acts upon you by causing you to be born again, mm. which is the act of baptism. So, yeah. yeah. Well, you said a lot there, which is really, yeah, really, good really good because we want to unpack all of that with a, with a couple of or with a few different questions. And, and w the first question that I asked, and you actually answered it by way of implication here, why isn't foot washing considered to be one of the ordinances or sacraments of the church. And what you seem to be saying is because the ordinances that we have all point to the cross. They all point to Christ. They yeah. all point to the work of salvation, whereas foot washing in and of itself does not. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. that's more that's more of a communal ordinance. Right. If you do it, one is vertical, one is horizontal, whereas communal communion and baptism, even though communion involves based on first corinthians 11 a level of communalness Correct, right yeah baptism is, is a level of communalness both of those are specifically godward ordinances mm. whereas in john 13 that was more of an exemplary exhortation for us to serve one another mm -hmm. back to Jesus' statement when they were arguing with each other right about who's going to be great and he yeah, said the greatest yeah, among yeah. you will become a servant yeah and so jesus was exemplifying the lifestyle of the community together worshiping him so that, that's what I would, that's how I would characterize why foot washing. Now, if someone does foot washing as an ordinance, I mean, I don't think it's a bad thing, um, but I, I don't know if we see the New Testament. The, the, first of all, I don't know if we see in the book of Acts. Right. Or in the church fathers. Yeah. And, 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 and we know some of the sects within uh, post-ascension Christianity did some some practice foot washing but 
as an overall agreed upon ordinance, even in the creeds, you see baptism, not foot washing, yeah, yeah. as communicated. So, yeah. Right. yeah. Right. What's what, there's a difference between what you must do and what you can do. Yeah. Absolutely. Right? We must baptize and observe the Lord's Supper. Absolutely. But, Absolutely. Um, but the other, something like foot washing, is something mm-hmm. that you can do. Um, and uh, some people would liken that to anointing with oil, right? You can do. It's not a, it's not a must do. It's a can yeah, do. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, and you talk a little bit about this, um, but about the significance of baptism, the meaning of it, you know, relating to our salvation, right? Mm-hmm. One must be uh, born again uh, before they are, you know, immersed. So, like right, a proper right. candidate. Right. Yeah. So, like, can you just clarify for people uh, from your perspective? And we're Reformed Baptists, so um, yeah, we, we, we talk a lot about our perspective here. Um, I know where you land on this. Why don't you explain to people, uh, in the way you would explain it, who are the proper candidates for baptism and who is who are not? Proper candidates. For yeah, baptism. one of the things that um, I think a, a proper candidate for baptism um, are those who are basically believers. You know, so there's an um, there's there's an there's an expectation. Even when you look at the Ethiopian eunuch, yeah, he believed in the chariot. That's why he said, "What's preventing me from being baptized?" Right. In other words, what he's what is he saying? What prevents me from identifying myself? With Jesus Christ now, yeah, uh, 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 you know, and you, you know, and so it's some water over there. So now let's go ahead, let's go ahead and get let's baptized. Go, yeah, let's go make this happen. Yeah, and so I think one of the, on a practical level, I think is I think a couple of things are important. I think I would say I mean I you know God bless the church fathers, the early church, post the closing of the New Testament. But I know they had like it was almost like a pledge process. I mean, to get baptized, mm-hmm, you, mm-hmm. they watch, they see if you get put up with some persecution before they'll even see if you. Yeah, are you gonna like, make it? Yeah, are you gonna make it? Because <laughs> right. if you if you abandon they, in the early church's eyes, if you abandon the faith because of if you ran from persecution, in you know, in a sense of the faith, in a sense, not yeah. just running, right. but running from persecution in the sense of I'm not identifying with Christianity. You know, like Jesus talks about in the parable of the soils, the worries of the world choked out the mm, word yeah, right yeah yeah and so um so did the word get choked out of this person or is this yeah. person actually an authentic believer it was it was controversial because they considered those people the lapsed right like so they they didn't we stayed truthful we we, we stayed true yeah they denied christ and ran yeah then they're coming back after it eases up and the church was like i don't know how to deal with this guy absolutely yeah it's absolutely complicated now so, they so were, because they were before the edict of milan they dealt with so much persecution all the way up to 318, you know, 316, 318, um, during the, for the Edict of Milan. So, you know, that's when actually um, Christianity becoming a part of the, the state, if you will. Yeah, yeah. Exonerated that type of process of knowing whether or not someone was authentically a believer, mm. which in, again started Christendom, which we're trying to get rid of today. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, and, and so... And so I think it's very, very important to check on someone's, um, you know, the Bible says in Second Peter chapter one, it gives you several characteristics. Some believe he took it from straight asceticism, not asceticism, syncretism or asceticism, okay. I can't remember. But basically they had uh, characteristics of their transformation in their community. Peter looked at those and was like, those are actually Christian virtues. Mm. And, he, and he basically snatched those virtues. Yeah. And under the Holy Spirit's guidance in Second Peter one. He says, add to your faith. In other words, the idea add there or supply your faith with the word supply there in the Greek means furnish. Yeah. Means um, you can't just say you have faith. You have to have things in there that furnish it. Well, mm. verse three tells you 
that you've already gotten those things because he's given us everything we need for life and godliness. So we're not trying to get these attributes. We're just taking the faith that was given to us based on Romans 12, 3 and furnishing it with the, 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 the virtues or attributes that the Holy Spirit gave us at salvation. So it starts with virtue or more excellence. Mm. Old translation says piety. Yeah. From there, knowledge, knowledge, self-control, self-control, perseverance, perseverance, godliness, godliness, brotherly kindness, brotherly kindness. In other words, being in community, then love. Yeah. General love. That's more evangelistic. Then it says, if these qualities are yours and are increasing, you'll never be unfruitful. Yeah. And then, then it says, if the, uh, and then, then after that, he says in verse 11 or 12, I think he says, be sure to do what? Make your calling and election sure. How? Through those virtues. So I believe that a good way of testing a candidate is in community knowing that those virtues are in some way in their infant state yeah. present in that person's life. Yeah. And that they affirm the gospel. Mm. You know, so we, that'll, that'll, that'll fast forward us up to what did the early church, what were some of the first things they taught? And we try to emulate that in our covenant process. So one of the things that we try to emulate in our covenant process are the things that you're supposed to teach as the first things that a person who's made a profession of faith or, 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 or a profession of conversion are supposed to learn. So when you go over to Hebrews chapter six, verse one and two, it gives you the specific things. Yep. But this is a whole nother conversation. Mm -hmm. But for the Gentiles, a part of their basic Bible doctrine wasn't just baptism, repentance from dead works. All those different things that it says in Hebrews six. Mm. <laughs> it also like in 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 um a friend of mine brought this. Our friend of mine Blake Wilson. It was a profound thought that they taught a part of their basic Bible doctrine was sexual morality mm. based on the Jerusalem Council. That was a part of which you these they, they said these essential things. So they call that essential Bible doctrine, pointing to the elementary truths of the faith, all of that right. stuff. Yeah, yeah. So it, it, it's just interesting that you I think you need to download some things into people whether it's a Baptism class, that's what we call it. Yeah. We do a baptism class that's separate from covenant community. And that, that, that doesn't mean they know every doctrine. We're not saying, are you able to right. tell me when the word Trinitas came up in Tertullian's documents when he first coined the term? To, uh, it's like, no, we, we're not we saying do. We <laughs> do that. Joe, <laughs> makes, Joe makes everybody do that. It's, you know, we're, we're a little uptight. Now, so when we're talking about these candidates, though, yeah. um, a lot of churches like yours, like ours, they wind up running up into this issue of, well, at what age then are we comfortable yeah. baptizing uh, people? Because you um, said you said in the infant stage, you know, of their understanding, does yeah. that mean infants? Absolutely. No. I mean, not babies. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not talking about how young. About, how young uh, have you baptized? And, huh? and what? Are you, how young have you baptized people? And at your Man. church? I think we've done we've done eight year olds. Yeah. Okay. Because they've had a profound understanding of the gospel. Right. I yeah. mean, but they've got to be able to demonstrate <laughs> this and articulate this for themselves, right, in their own words. In a way that you are confident uh -huh. that they're actually. Believing. But the other thing is, we we want their parents and those around them to see evidences of grace, right? Mm. Um, and and those evidences of grace are um, repentance, right? Is a huge one, you know. Um, how do you how do you deal with sin? How do you deal with correction? Mm -hmm. Is a very huge part of whether or not you're a believer, yeah. which you know, um, would challenge much of our evangelical landscape today Yeah, yeah. when it comes to that idea of repentance. But just those evidences of grace, and evidences of grace are just found in the fruit of the Spirit and those those ones that I said earlier in Second Peter 1. You you see some of those in some type of state. Yeah. 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 So then is mode important? Say like, it again. Like, is mode important? Like, how we baptize? Mode of baptism. Yeah. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I grew up United Methodist. So... 
there was they did pouring. I wasn't a Christian when I first got baptized. It's like you're 12, you get baptized. Mm. Kind of like confirmation. Um, and I didn't get actually, I don't believe I was converted until I was in college. Okay. I believe I was near to the kingdom though. And God uniquely kept right. me near the kingdom. Yeah. And I, and I heard the creeds. I heard the songs of Zion in the, in this ferociously, unbel I mean, I mean, it's, that's, I mean, the, the liturgy right. is what came back to my remembrance when yeah. I got, I mean, it's amazing. The liturgies yeah, yeah. in liberal churches <laughs> oftentimes have great gospel content. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, and so, and so for me, um, mode, I, I think it's debatable. I like, I like baptizo means the dip. I'm mm. an old Baptist guy when it comes to that. So I like the dipping. Uh, I, I, and I think, and I'm gonna just be honest with you. I, I think you could do either, but, but in my mind, from a practical standpoint, people don't feel baptized when you pour water on their head. I'm just letting mm. you know. You know why they don't feel baptized? They don't. Oh, here we go. Because <laughs> you're not being baptized. Because you're not That's being baptized. <laughs> <laughs> Effusion. Yeah, is, I mean, theologically, not... it means the whole immersing of the self in Christ. That's what baptism means. But yeah. Well, in talking about this, because, like, listen, we are Baptists. We, you know, um, theologically, you're Baptist. Even if you're not a part of a Baptist denomination, you're theologically a Baptist. Yeah. Um, so. We, we we are like at Redeemer, very much Baptist. You must be baptized by immersion. Um, we think that's scriptural. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. and so there's there's going to be some level of division, right? When you're talking about churches and Christians having yeah, their point. understanding of baptism. But at, but what is a healthy amount of division, and what's an unhealthy amount of division when it comes to our understanding of baptism? Wow. Um, I think as long as you're not making, it's a couple of things. So I, I've checked out some churches in my neighborhood that are apostolic okay and um i would say those apostolic churches that communicate baptism physical baptism and spirit baptism as in some as a part of justification right. is heretical sure yep you know so so now we're saying you know, if a person's the issue is if a person's not baptized, can they go to heaven? Absolutely. Can they spend eternity with Jesus? Absolutely. Um, I know I do know Baptist churches though that will almost argue whether or not you've been converted if you've actually been baptized or not. Mm. And so I think I think it's very very important just to have some clarity on what baptism is, what its role is as an ordinance in the church, um, or, or, or and 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 then being able to say this is not salvific in the point of justification but it is a part of it's not separate from it in the sense of it doesn't have anything to do with your understanding right. of your justification. yeah yeah so i want to be very very careful with that and so i don't so we so it's the balance of and then for me it's the balance of making baptism important without equating it with regeneration it's yeah. so important um which we really to be honest man our people are not asking those type of questions because when, when people get baptized at our church um it's, it's a huge celebration. Soon as we say we got candidates for baptism, the church jumps up and yeah. they're going bananas. Oh, wow. And then they get in the water and all of their family, even unsaved family, oh, yeah. unsaved friends, they're there with their phones out. And, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, um, before phones, it was disposable cameras, of course. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But um, and, they're, and they're there and they are people really believe, which they should, they take baptism. Something happened during baptism for them something serious for them in their soul happened when they made the decision to get baptized that they don't separate from being justified 
because it affirms their justification. Right. I hope that makes sense. No, I like that yeah. the way that it affirms. Yes. Right. Yeah. I mean, so I mean, we talk about like the division part. Then how then? Uh, how, now I'm trying to think what draws us together. I mean, there's people with different modes and yeah. different different ways of doing it, different ages, and but uh, within orthodoxy, within like orthodoxy, Presbyterians and yeah. Baptists. So, yeah, yeah. yeah how, in what ways then can we uh, celebrate? those other expressions without compromising where we are at. I do an unbiblical, but not non, but not a biblical. Okay. Like, like we don't do infant baptism at all, mm-hmm. but culture, but, but we utilize the passage. I don't necessarily believe Jesus is teaching to do this as an ordinance, but we do baby dedications. Right. Okay. And really the dedications is really more of a Psalm 127. 128 affirmation of the parents yep and the same thing the sanctifying of the the child gets there's a there's you know first Corinthians 7 inferentially points us to a couple of things that there's there's a sense and i know my presbyterian brothers they'll they say see that's what we're talking about but um no because we're not saying they're a part of the new covenant absolutely (laughs) there was a there was a way that they're in the community, but not of the community. Right. Um, and so that's a good way to put it. Y- you know, um, because because I think you gotta people that grow up around the faith are in the community, but not of. Yeah, yeah. Then, but we're not going to say they're part of the sheepfold based on John ten. Mm-hmm. But there's a sense in which they experience the expressions of the community mm-hmm. as a beautiful legacy of training them up in the way that they should go. Yeah. But then, you know, when they get to baptism. And communion, we say it's off limits. So when we communicate communion, I know we haven't gotten there yet, but we we have a um, uh, uh, what do you call a clause when you when you I forgot you, you fence the table. Yeah, basically we I forgot it's a term I forgot what I call it, but um, basically we um, caveat not qualify I can't remember, mm-hmm. but basically we we let people know so this is for those who believe. Yeah. We explain what communion is for, and we even tie it into the sermon because we do communion every week. Yeah. Right. So the people that were Catholic, they love it because they like, "Dang, mm. y'all do it every week." I thought yeah. I do it on Hang first on, Sunday. Man, we're gonna talk about that. But I'm sorry. We'll, I'm sorry, we'll I'm get sorry, there. We'll sorry. get there. But I'm saying that to say they see that there is something I can come to the gathering. Yes. Mm-hmm. I can enjoy festivities. I can go to small groups. Yeah. But why is baptism and communion off limits to me? And those for the non-believer is a constant reminder yep. of their need for Jesus. Absolutely. Yeah. I love so then, it. So then yeah. what about like you talk about for membership now, you know, I'm hoping not putting you on the spot. But as far as uh, those that were baptized as infants, how w- would you recognize them at th- that baptism for membership? No, sir. No, you would you would have no, them sir. be baptized Old school. Again. No, that's sir. That's how we do it. That's, that's, old yeah, school. that's how we do it. That's, you know. uh, that's when I become Anabaptist. You got to get baptized <laughs> again. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because we've, you know, it's it's interesting. We've had people from, you know, Church of England coming over from England. Yeah, yeah. Um, we've had Presbyterians, and we've had one couple leave because they were like, "We're not going to do this," and we were like, "That's that's fine." Yeah, it's understandable. Um, and we, I, uh, to be honest, we kind of hate not doing it and doing it. It's like it's it's uncomfortable. The but, ch- the challenge though is, is when I don't know who would say I wouldn't want to do it again. I mean, we're not dogging that couple, right? Yeah. No, no, not at all. But for me. Getting baptized again, I've had people that just wanted to do it again because they've rededicated oh, their yeah. life to Christ yeah, or whatever. We, yeah. I actually don't have a problem with it, to be honest. Mm, interesting. I, yeah. I, I don't. I don't have a problem with it. Um, 
because they might not have either they might not have been saved in the first place right. or th there's a there's a certain level of affirmation of them saying I'm making a public declaration of me taking Jesus seriously. Yeah. Mm. So this is my real baptism because my first baptism, although I made a profession of faith, I oh. bore no fruits in keeping with repentance. So really, sometimes I, I, I conclude that this really is your first baptism, sure. even though this is the second time you went into or water. Or the third or the fourth. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's Does that make sense? No, yeah. no, it makes yeah, sense. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. We, we've had people say, like I had one woman say, are you telling me, and she, was, she wasn't being antagonistic. She said, so are you saying that when I was sprinkled as an infant, that that wasn't an actual baptism, but what you're offering here is an actual baptism. And I said, I'm not trying to throw away what you've experienced in your traditions, but yes, this is what is biblical baptism. And yeah. then she was like, great. She's like, I just didn't want to get re-baptized, but if this is what baptism is, then I'm ready to do it. So it impacts people on different yeah, levels, ba right? Yeah, baptism is, if you get, this is my argument with that. If you get baptized as an infant, it, there was nothing in your soul that that physical baptism was pointing to because you weren't regenerated. In my mind, physical baptism points to the state of the soul yeah. and back to the cross and the resurrection right, right. as linked mm -hmm. in that baptismal experience. That's, that's how I view baptism. So to baptize someone without regeneration, in my mind, um, does, doesn't have any validation because it's not, there's no internal reality that the baptism was pointing to. So then, what's It's a someone, wish. You're yeah. pointing to a wish. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear what you're saying. We totally agree. So then, how should uh, baptism, I guess, impact one's piety? Like, how mm. how should we how should we be responding after that? How should wow. that be, you know, spurring us on what to should good it do, works? What should it do in us? Because it's a means of grace. Yes, it is. I think I think I liken it to wedding vows. Um, when you go to Malachi two fourteen through sixteen. Um, one of the things that you look at, the, the terminology of covenant there, because Malachi is about unfaithfulness to covenant. Yeah, yeah. And even though you're in covenant, you're showing covenant unfaithfulness. That's what Malachi is about. Right. Um, so what God does, he names a bunch of things that, I mean, the priests are doing, then he goes to the husbands and wives. And, and when he goes to them, he says, this is your wife according to covenant but you're treating her like you're not in a covenant. Yeah. So I'm pointing you back to the covenant commitment that was cut in order to motivate you back to covenant faithfulness. Yeah. So I think the, the way you use, the way we can use baptism is, I don't think, I, I think it's a great question because I don't think we point people back to baptism enough mm. in points of needed repentance like paul does throughout his epistles yes he's like hey remember you're gonna continue in sin yes mm. you do remember mm -hmm. that you were baptized into jesus yes wow yes. yeah i never considered that so it does it does something and i think i think a lot of baptists are afraid because it seems mystical um and, and we're so like we're not catholic it's not going to work the work on its own yeah but it is a preaching of the gospel. It is it is something in which God is at work in our in our people in mm -hmm. us. It is it, it ought to be considered a point of sanctifying grace yeah. that that yeah. marks us in a real way. Yeah. So I think that's um, I think that's really I think that's really helpful. What we want to do is um, is we want to encourage people to uh, interact with you on social media. Yeah. All right. So how how can they interact with you on social media? 
I'm on all social media. Pastor E Mace on Twitter, wait, wait, Instagram. Oh, you're, you're, stop it! You know, your your social media handle is Pastor E Mace. That's stop that's easy. It. That's like stop my, it. Mine's, mine's at Joe Thorne. That's stop really easy. It. Hey Jimmy, what's yours? There you go. What's yours, Jimmy? At Jay Fowler sixty three. Oh my gosh, that's so bad. That's so bad. <laughs> I hate. I oh hate you, gosh. Joe. I don't understand. I just want why you know you how much numbers I hate in you. there? You weren't even born in sixty three. Doesn't even make sense. Doesn't matter. You know what? Why you should know what sixty three means. It's not even a good car year. I have no idea. Don't what worry about it. I don't All want right. to talk about it. I so, can't believe you. Instagram, Twitter. Yeah, Facebook. My professional page, Dr. Eric Mason. My right. regular page. I don't accept a lot of people on my regular page. You're all maxed out, I'm sure, yeah. Because it's just, well, I just but don't I, But I'm it. on there, right? Joe's I think not. So. I, think, I, think, I think y'all are on there, but. I don't think Joe is. Joe's. My, my, my people run my, my run my social media for your me. People, people. I, your I people? I want people, yeah. His people call my people, so. Bonger runs your social media? <laughs> my seven-year-old bonger. He does it. So, but yeah, yeah the, regular, the regular one's just Eric Mason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Follow, follow Eric. Pick up his books. We're going to link to everything in the show notes. We want yep. you guys to, uh, to check that out. And the next episode that's going to drop on Thursday is going to be more Dr. Mason, and Damn. he's going to be talking about the Lord's Supper. Man. Well, you know what? You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Doc and Devo or on yeah, see, Facebook no slash Doctrine and Devotion. That's how you do it. You can head on the website, drdevotion.com. There you, you can contact us. You can sign up for our email blast or in your store media and register for the 2018 Doctrine and Devotion Conference like on the Spirit and the Church so with Pastor Doug Logan. Doug Logan's going to be speaking at our, uh, our conference in April. Amazing. Fresh Pod every yeah. Monday and Thursday. Blog posts on Wednesdays. Video content on Fridays. Later. Later.